This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. I've always been impressed by green thumbs, folks with an innate ability to make plants flourish. This talent has always eluded me, partially because my family is well known for its legacy of somehow killing even cacti and succulents. The irony though is every member of my family other than myself, is a medical professional. Each and every one of them has spent their lives saving and protecting the lives of people. But that care simply doesn't extend to flora. In this week's story, tellers Dave Wagner and Erica Nelson share their own moments of learning what it takes to care for those you love, whether close family members or potted plants. Recorded live in September 2021, Second Story is proud to present Gardening. we were dating, Dave gave me a beautiful pink orchid. I read up on how to care for that orchid, the level of sunlight it needed, how to give it water, but not too much water. I learned everything short of what an orchid's favorite song would be to sing to it. The orchid sat on my window ledge, sunlight bouncing off its delicate light pink flowers, reminding me of my luck meeting this great new guy who spotted this exotic and romantic plant and thought of me. But that orchid, It shriveled and died within the week. Usually, if I'm not very good at something, I move on to something else. But an exception has been with plants. I kept trying and trying and trying to build that elusive green thumb. Good luck, little guy, I'd say to new little potted friends I brought home from the store. Their leaves all green and perky, unaware of the potential fate that lie ahead. Fungus gnats, spider mites, too much water, too little water. There was always something I couldn't get right. A few days before our wedding, I went to visit my godparents, not to celebrate and talk about the future that Erica and I were going to build together, but to say goodbye to my uncle, who was receiving hospice home care and was unable to attend our wedding. He would pass a few weeks later as we were coming back from our honeymoon, the first of my aunts and uncles to die. I remember walking into their condo on a chilly spring day. Uncle Dick was sitting in a chair in the main room, swaddled in blankets, perpetually dressed for bed. His tall, striking frame had withered over the past few months. His strict posture collapsed into a hunch. But he was still the same Uncle Dick. Piercing eyes reached out to me from across the room, and he greeted me with his characteristic smile, genuine and deep, the kind of smile that politicians long for.
there we were at the giant blue and yellow Ikea in Schaumburg, a requisite shopping trip for any young couple looking to furnish a new apartment. So many possibilities for decorative knickknacks and looks nice but won't last long furniture. Stuffed with Swedish meatballs and a full cart, we approached the checkout, wandering through that last cavernous space filled with wrapping paper, candles, and plants! Dave rolled his eyes when I picked up a fiddle leaf fig and placed it on the top of the pile in our cart. I know, I know, I responded to his silent, really, why are you even bothering buying that? But maybe I can keep this one alive, and it's only 12 bucks, so why not try? There are those who surround themselves with cats, unable to see a stray or visit a shelter and not adopt each and every furry fuzzball to give them a better life. That's me with plants, although the to give a better life part is questionable. Months later, my darling Ikea fiddle leaf fig dropped its final leaf, leaving an empty brown stalk that stared at me with contempt. There goes another one, Dave said as if it were inevitable. With defeat, I opened the door to the back porch and put it outside, too lazy to take it to the trash. Years earlier, before I deployed to Afghanistan, my uncle gave me a small pendant of St. Michael to wear around my neck the patron saint of war and paratroopers, because of course there was a patron saint of paratroopers. He wore it most of his adult life, but it was important to him that I take it with me on my way to that unexpected war. I'm not particularly religious, but he was, and it served as a symbol of his support and his love for me, of our bond, a message from a veteran of the Korean War to a green second lieutenant on his way to the first of two war zones. The pendant and I made it through the wars unscathed, and I continued to carry it with me after I returned. But in Uncle Dick's final days, I wanted him to have it. For me, there was a symmetry in that. It had traveled with me for a long time, and if you believe in someone or something watching over you, it had served its purpose well. And I wanted it to be with him as he passed on, so that he would know I was there with him for those final days. Weeks after I put the fiddle leaf fig outside, I stepped onto the back porch and looked down. Unable to believe what I was seeing, I stooped down and looked again. At the very top of the brown stalk was something green, a vibrant color in contrast to the black plastic pot and soil. The newly formed leaf was about the size of a baby carrot, still curled at the edges, waiting to unravel and flatten out. How dare it start to thrive the moment I neglect it instead of what I'm actively caring for it. The little leaf was so small, but it was obviously there, and now that the fig was showing signs of life, I couldn't in good conscience throw it out. The weather was still warm. We had several months before the Chicago winter would hit, so I left the fig there, gave it some water, and waited. From six leaves, to zero, to one, to 14! That fiddly fig, now healthy and thriving in an east-facing window in our home, was a turning point for me. I started bringing more plants home, and unexplainably, they lived. Some even fared so well, the green leaves overflowed from the pots, begging for the plant equivalent of a hair trim. I launched into a new personal challenge, propagating baby plants, snipping off leaves, letting them take root, and replanting them in tiny pots to begin a new journey. I'm not a very patient person, but I was fascinated with what I could create in this new horticultural game of time. Windowsills filled with green stalks, sunbathing in little jars of water. And a few weeks later, delicate white roots, almost translucent, would appear. Sitting in the chilly room with my aunt and uncle, we spoke about the coming days, the anticipation of the wedding, 
and our plans to go to Mexico for our honeymoon. But the real conversation started when my aunt stepped out of the room for a moment. My uncle leaned toward me and, speaking with difficulty from lungs battered by a long life of smoking, he confided. You know, before I got too sick, it was my role to do a lot of things for the family that your aunt will need to do for herself. I would pump her gas, do the grocery shopping, a lot of the things around the house. So before I go, I needed to make sure that she was okay doing everything herself. It was a struggle, but I fought to stay alive over the past year and a half to help her adapt. We worked together as a unit for so long, it will be tough for her to be alone now. I thought about that through the eyes of my younger generation. I hadn't realized all he did without question for his family. I never would have thought to fill Erica's car with gas unless I were the one driving it. But hundreds of little things like that had set the rhythm for my aunt and uncle, the teamwork of their life together. Aunt Kathy is always so busy and engaged with family, friends, or the church, I said. She knows everything about everyone. She's always doing something for others and never stops. You've always been her point of stability. It took time and was quite an adjustment, but I think she's ready now. I've prepared her as much as I can. He paused and looked at me deeply. Do you understand what I'm telling you? He asked. Holding back tears, I took his hand and said, I do. And we sat together silently for a while. just after a rainfall and the garden smelled like damp soil. As I walked down the path, admiring the flora surrounding me, I realized I was contemplating the structure and propagation likelihood of each plant I passed. In a large gray cement pot up ahead was a gorgeous pink-veined petonia. I looked to the right and to the left. No one was looking. I crouched down and held a group of scaly leaves in my palm and with my thumbnail pinched the firm but breakable stem right above a leaf node. My heart raced, and I quickly put the few inches of delicate plant appendage I had just severed from its parent into my jacket's loose pocket. On the way home, I found myself dipping my hand into my pocket every so often, giving my new treasure a little pat to make sure it was still there. Many years after I gave Erica that first orchid, around the time that my mom passed, my dad received several orchid plants that bloomed for a while before the leaves fell and they became dormant. He had never been one to care for houseplants, let alone orchids, but he kept the bare stems, and after a bit of research, he cared for them. To this day, every four to six months, the plants awaken again in full bloom, sometimes 10 to 15 flowers at a time. It makes me think back to my conversation with Uncle Dick, bookended by two marriages, his of more than 40 years, and ours just beginning. We talked about so many things during my final visit about nurturing and caring for family, teamwork, sacrifice, and about a father's concern for his wife and children in the face of death that couldn't have been said at any other time. I remember you coming home and sharing that moment with me. There we were a few days before our wedding at the start of our adventure together, watching a father pass the torch of his life to his wife and children. And today, 
While we do not have children of our own, our journey continues into the unknown ahead. And much like the baby plant cuttings that fill our windowsills, we'll see what time and a little bit of care may bring. This story was produced by Ali Drum and Casey Truba, curated by Amanda Delheimer, and directed by Josh Weinstein, with music and sound design by Dave Wagner and Erica Nelson. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamak, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Jeffrey and Joan Goldwater, Katie and Peter Hauser, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this this, this is, is the second, second story podcast.